Welcome to FMC Radio, your officially unofficial source for all things Free Methodist. From in-depth discussions with key FMC leaders to daily updates during events like General Conference, we want to keep a consistent stream of information flowing to you regarding where God is leading the Free Methodist Church. I'm your host, Josh Avery. We want to invite you to sit back, relax, and join us on this journey as we learn what it means to be Free Methodist in this episode of the FMC Radio Show. Hey everybody, it's August 7th. It's a Monday, of course, as always, when we put out these episodes. Um, I'm excited today because we have our third and final bishop, um, and I don't put that third and final as in he's the lesser of the three or anything like that, but that we have already interviewed the uh, first two bishops out of our three bishops, and today we're going to be able to interview the third and final bishop in our lineup here. And uh, so we have Bishop Matt Thomas from the west side of the U.S. we're going to speak to today about grief and about loss, and uh, we'll get into that, but I have a few um, breaking news stories here for you today, all of them involving uh, Free Methodist Matters. Breaking news! Well, first and foremost, there's going to be an upcoming um, article about FMC Radio in the Light and Life magazine in the October print edition. And for those of you who are listening already to the podcast or those of you who are on our Facebook page, um, you may have already seen the link. There is a kind of a sneak peek for you um, in the form of an online posted article. Um, the name of the article is Podcast Uncovers the Church's Layers by Christiana Long. And she is the one who interviewed me from Light and Life. And I got to speak to her maybe about a month ago or something like that and just talk about about kind of what we're trying to do here with the podcast and invite more people to listen, more people to come from different parts of the United States and also in the world, be able to talk about free Methodism and talk about some of these issues and some of the things that are going on in our world today and join this conversation. So be sure to uh, get the issue, uh, the actual print issue. I think that's a little bit um, nicer to have and nicer to look at in terms of the October um, print issue that's going to be coming out here in a few months. Look forward to that. But in the meantime, if you want to take a look at the article, head over to FMC Radio on Facebook or look in the show notes, and I will also put a uh, link to the um, article there in the show notes as well so you can take a look at what they wrote about what we've been doing here for 20 episodes now. I I can't believe that we're on episode 20. It's great, and hopefully we'll have 20 more episodes to come, and uh, not only just 40, but maybe continue on. So we'll see how long we can continue going here and continue coming up with different ideas and different amazing people to talk to and ministries that we can uh, uncover. So thank you again, everyone, for joining me on this journey, and uh, it's great to be able to hopefully get some more Uh, people involved and some new faces through this article that has now come out and will be coming out in October. 
Well, secondly, um, another matter, kind of a, of a personal matter. Um, back in episode 12, we spoke to a guy named Chris Schimmel, and he is a pastor of Freedom Church in New Middletown. And you may remember just from my personal story, or you may remember from that episode, that I also work as the director of student ministries there at the Freedom Church, where Pastor Chris is the main head pastor there. <clears throat> and he talked a little bit about a church planting um, opportunity in Canfield, which is actually right down the street from my house, just a few miles away. And at the time, we talked about it in the episode, just kind of uh, um, an informational thing about church planting and kind of what the plans were. Um, so I, uh, through a series of, since that time, actually since May, since I found out about the opportunity, um, I, I kind of reached out to Pastor Chris, and uh, over the course of these last few months, um, it has become clear that God is leading me to become the campus pastor of the Freedom Church Canfield, um, and so that's what we're going to be calling it. Of course, New Middletown, Ohio, has the um, Freedom Church, and then in New Middle in Canfield, Ohio, is going to be the um, the site of Freedom Church called Freedom Church Canfield. So I'm going to be the site pastor there, and I'm going to continue on um, working with the youth on Wednesday evenings for the youth group in New Middletown. And uh, it's going to be an interesting change in my life, um, but I'm excited for what is to come. And I would just ask that uh, all of you out there be praying for this next step. And I'm continuing to also take classes and speak to the Meg board over at the Ohio Conference for my um, credentialing for my uh, ordination process. And I am a CMC now. So continuing to go through this process and now, um, you know, getting into, um, um, you know, pastoring in this new way, I just ask that you will all uh, continue to pray and that you will pray when it comes onto your mind or when you hear this podcast every Monday, when you when you hear the new podcast coming out, that you would just, of course, remember um, what's going on. And I will, of course, keep you updated on what's going on there and also not only there, but around the world um, in terms of free Methodism. So um, the third and final thing I wanted to tell you about today is actually from um, a, a world's mis- world mission story, and it's a very sad story um, that I have to report on to you today. Uh, Saturday, August 5th, which of course was two days ago, um, if you're listening to this on, on Monday, August 7th, um, we received some, some very um, sad news from the Philippines, and I'll just read you the report <clears throat> from the Free Methodist, excuse me, Free Methodist World Missions Center. They said, church leaders request prayer following the murder of Free Methodist pastor and judge Godo Frio Abdul Jr. in the wounding of his wife, Bernadette, as they were leaving their home today, Saturday, August 5th, to attend a pastor's gathering. Along with his service as a pastor, Godo Frito also worked as a judge in the Bhutan City Regional Trial Court Branch. Bernadette reportedly is in serious condition with wounds to her shoulder and leg. According to the Sun Star newspaper's art website, unidentified motorcycle riding gunmen opened fire at their vehicle while their couple was about to leave their house. The couple's son is a medical student and active leader in the Cebu Free Methodist Church. Please pray for Bernadette's recovery and that church leaders and members will be protected from additional violence. So that's the report that we have today. Um, uh, you know, maybe more will come out as we know kind of what was going on. It could be related to, to him being a judge. I mean, there's not really any more information at this time, so we don't really need to, you know, speculate on that of, of why they did this. <clears throat> All we need to know is that a, a, a great pastor, a free Methodist pastor, and not only that, but he was he was looking for justice, and so he was a judge too. Man, that's, that's a lot. I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, being a 
campus pastor and a youth pastor, I'm saying, wow, that's a lot of a lot of things going on here. But man, to be a free Methodist pastor and then be a judge as well, can you imagine that? And uh, now his wife wounded and happened to, you know, maybe um, <clears throat> come to, um, after this being in serious condition, you know, and, and coming to and realizing that her husband isn't there anymore, that, that that's her partner in ministry is gone. Um, I mean, if we can just imagine that for a moment, what that would be like. So we want to be praying for her and we want to pray for, um, you know, the church leaders and the people there that are now dealing with this just, just crazy loss. Um, and I think, you know, this, that really that story kind of leads us really well into what we're going to be talking about here in a moment with uh, Bishop, Bishop Thomas, um, because it is just this question of a lot of us ask is, wow, you know, what's going on in the world today? You know, you know this is crazy. These kinds of things of just, you know, someone's with us and then they're taken from us. You know, what, what's going on? And so we're going to talk about that with Bishop Thomas in a moment. But before we do that, let's go ahead and just pray here on this podcast. Dear God, we just pray for um, the Philippines and we pray for this free Methodist pastor's family and especially um, his wife, Bernadette, that uh, when she she's in a serious condition now, we don't know how much from this uh, report that she's able to know or that she's responding or that she's awake or anything. So we don't know how much she knows yet, but... Um, we pray that you will help her with this news when it does break or when, when she does come to that understanding of what's going on. And we just ask right now that you will be with the whole family, um, that you will really gather people around, and whether it's from the church, the community, that they will gather around and that they will um, just uh, really help them to, to get through this time and that you, will, uh, that you will just really give them that ultimate hope, knowing that... Um, go to Frio, this pastor, um, pastor go to Frio, that he, that he is not, um, you know, without hope, but that uh, as he's now, even even in this horrible way, been taken from the world, that his life isn't over, that he's continuing to live on, that, that, that he did have that hope in Christ. So we pray right now that you will reveal that to others, that, that they wouldn't, you know, mourn as someone without hope, but they would mourn, but that knowing that they will see him again, if they're in Christ and that they have that hope. So we just ask that you'll be with them again and that you will uh, be with this this missions team. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, thank you guys, everybody again out there again um, for for just joining together, being a part of what this is all about. And again, this is episode 20, not, and I don't mean just episode 20 here on FMC Radio, but I mean... Um, what I mean by that is just being a part of this thing called free Methodism, where we get to join in and we get to, to you know, um, mourn the loss of people in the Philippines. And then we get to talk to people um, who are making a difference in the world. And then, and then we get to, you know, we get to be part of something so much bigger than simply the Sunday morning service. And while the Sunday morning services are so great, and you know, I, I, every church that I've been a part of has been so different in, in so many different ways. Every church in the Free Methodist Church that I've visited or been a part of has been so different. And yet they're so great in their own ways. There's different people and different cultures almost within those different, even, even from Pittsburgh to Youngstown um, or New Middletown. I mean, it's all these different people, but it's great. And yet the reality is, as, as great as those Sunday morning gatherings are or those, or those local churches are, the bigger picture even is so much greater of knowing that God has a bigger plan and that his church is so much greater than just that local body. Um, it, it really is, you know, all the pieces of the body working together. So again, um, thank you guys for being a part of that, and I hope that you continue to um, continue to seek 
um, what the just even deeper into this process, and and I hope you'll allow me to continue to join in that uh, in that journey with. You. So we are here today with Bishop Matt Thomas, and if you have listened to some of the past episodes, you could listen to um, some of our other episodes where we were able to talk to the other two bishops. Um, look at those on FMC Radio's site. Uh, but today we're going to be able to talk to our third bishop, the Western um, Region Bishop, and just to get to know him a little bit and talk about some things that have gone on in his life. And I think that um, in personally having spoken to him before about some his life and some things that he's gone through, I think that a lot of people out there are going to be really helped by um, what we're going to talk to him today about. So thank you, uh, Bishop Matt, for being on with us today. Sure. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Well, tell us a little bit about um, just overall kind of your history in, in the Free Methodist Church and, and what led to you being a bishop and just a little bit about what you do now. Okay. I, uh, I became a, a, a pastor, actually went to college and seminary and became a pastor in 1979. And, uh, and between pastoring and church planting and... A uh, number of other kinds of things. I've been a professor in a college, and I've been uh, a president of a small college overseas, and I've been a superintendent in the Free Methodist Church on three different occasions. And uh, finally, after planting a church and being in that church that also planted other churches um, for a 14-year period of time, then I was elected as a bishop in the Free Methodist Church. So I've been wow. in ministry quite a long time, about 38 years right now. So was this, being becoming a bishop, was it something that was kind of on your radar that you thought, I'd like to do that someday, or was it just a surprise, or how did this come about? Uh, well, probably, it definitely wasn't anything on my radar or anything I was seeking uh, after. Yeah. I was very content as a pastor and as a, as a leader, and I've been a missionary overseas. We were a missionary in the Philippines, and we really enjoyed that ministry. We love mm. local church ministry. Um of course, being a superintendent, that's a, that's something that's beyond local church ministry. We've done that, but it sure. uh, wasn't necessarily seeking it, but it also wasn't a surprise because several people had told me through the years that, you know, we do have a nomination process, and people would say, I'm going to submit your name for, for nomination as a bishop. I think you'd be a, a good bishop or whatever. And so mm -hmm. uh, the year I was elected at, at the first time in 2007, um, I had several nominations from several conferences around the United States, so it wasn't a real big surprise. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I, I um, in what you were saying, kind of reminded me, we talked a little bit with Bishop Kendall about this, but the idea that some people, when they hear the word bishop, they just automatically picture somebody who's kind of high above the rest of the society and, you know, wearing maybe robes or things like that, and, and they're, they're like perfect in every way. And to, to hear some of the history in, in sense of, um, you know, you have experienced, you know, superintendent, you've been overseas on, in missions trips, you know, as a missionary, right. you've also been uh, a pastor. So, you know, you're able to relate to all these different areas and relate to, you know, the average everyday person listening to, to this right now. Yes. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, we've had, like I said, I think there's about every 
uh, leadership position in the Free Methodist Church we have, from missionary pastor, uh, theologian, professor, uh, president, um, and educator on one way or another. Um, you know, that's, I've kind of covered the, the gamut on that. So Yeah. It's either, as some people said, well, it either shows that you've got great leadership skill or you can't keep a job. So. <laughs> well, one or the other. One's really good and one's not so good. So I guess we'll yeah, leave that up right. for you to decide, the people that are listening. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. So, so in that, um, I guess that's a, that's a good um, uh, transition into what, what I wanted to talk to you about today. Um, and I was able to speak to you um, a couple years ago at, at um, the church I, I worked at. We went, we went, had lunch together um, with the pastor at that time. And um, I have, uh, as many people who are listening, if you've listened for a while, you'll know I have talked about my um, brother who I lost when he was 15 years old uh, to leukemia. And I remember from our conversation, um, um, Bishop Matt, you talking about having lost a son. And I think that's something, again, that um, just brings this whole, um, you know, the, the, the leadership of the Free Methodist Church, it brings it really down to earth into a, to a point where, um, would you be willing to share your story with us a little bit and tell us about going through this? Because many people are, are facing these same things, of course. Sure, sure, that's fine. Um, yeah, we, fit, we have four wonderful kids. And um, obviously, we've been in ministry all together. In fact, if you were to ask my kids, sometimes when people will say, you know, Bishop Thomas has planted several churches, my kids will quickly correct people and say, no, we did as a family. So <laughs> uh, my kids Good. have been very actively involved in ministry with us and, uh, and apart from us. So, mm-hmm. uh, so we have four kids, three boys and two girls. Our number two, um, Mitchell, was happened to be a youth pastor at the time that he ended up with cancer, and mm-hmm. he was working for uh, our other son, uh, one of our other sons, excuse me, uh, Samuel. So Sam was a church planter in the Free Methodist Church down in Pasadena, California. Mm-hmm. And our son Mitch was his youth pastor. Yeah. And uh, Mitch um, ended up uh, with, with cancer, long story short. He, he uh, languished for about 17 months, uh, 16 and a half, 17 months that we know of uh, after his diagnosis probably had it for a month or two prior to that, so about a year and a half uh, before he finally uh, succumbed to to that. It was a very aggressive form of, um, of AML leukemia that's, that happens to have a, a, you know, there's many, there's hundreds of kinds, but uh, that kind had a very high mortality rate. So we knew mm. going in that there was, there was a, a strong possibility that, that he may not recover from it, and yeah. uh, he didn't, but we had a, a marvelous, marvelous uh, time with him. We had, we had the fortunate opportunity of, of being able to spend concerted time with him for a substantial length. Uh, my wife, about 15 weeks prior to his passing, was by his side every day, and really the majority of the time over the year and a half. Yeah. And then, uh, I suspended my my work uh, engagement outside of uh, you know just my travel schedule. Uh, within the last eight weeks, I was with him uh, nonstop as well. So we had some cherished time with with him during those days. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's a core, that's really important to be able to look back on that and have that. Um, I know that um, something that I always talk to people about when I talk about this is um, referencing Naomi in the Book of Ruth, and and she kind of had this 
struggle between was she going to become bitter or was she going to become better? And over the course of the whole story, she did become better and she found her pleasantness and joy again. But at first, she accepted the bitterness and even didn't even want to be called Naomi. She wanted to be called Mara, which meant bitter. And she even changed her name. And many people struggle with that, you know, that bitterness, especially I I think a lot of times um, if it's a sickness like this, they want to maybe blame God. Well, Well, you know, why wasn't this person healed. Um, I don't know if you if you struggled with that or if you did or not or if, if you didn't. Just how did you how did you find hope in the midst of this time? Uh, that's a good question. I think uh, yeah, I think I had a lot of people. Uh, I have through the years as a pastor, um, people frequently ask the why question. So anything bad happens, and it's why. Uh, sometimes it's why is God allowing this to happen? Why is God causing this? To happen? Why is uh, Satan allowed to do these bad things? And people have a tendency to gravitate toward the why, mm-hmm. um, which to me is potential uh, sources or causes of uh, bad things in our life, or what theologians call evil, we call suffering or pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, God obviously ceases the rain at times and uh, takes credit in the scriptures for. for for uh, stopping some of the blessings that have taken place. And, you know, there there are several, the scriptures are just full. All you have to do is read the Bible. And God does take credit for some of the difficulties. And it's always with a productive end in mind uh, to either discipline people or bring people back uh, to faith or something. Uh, Then, of course, Satan uh, in the Bible, there's, there's, there's a source of evil or pain or caused suffering, and we see that frequently. We see the same thing with, with uh, what we call moral evil, that's the, there's pain because of somebody's sin. It's either our own sin, we develop addictions, and it's our choice, but we, we do it. Uh, or someone rapes someone or kills someone, it's a result of, of evil that's, that's really uh, provoked by people. And then there's what we call natural evil, and that's, you know, if some people get buried by an earthquake or a, uh, a volcano or something. Uh, it can them. And, uh, and, and, uh, people in, I, I think, largely, more probably here um, in North American context, where we live in an environment where we're able to um, uh, remedy pain pretty quickly, either mm-hmm. through a pill, a scalpel, a government program, a fail-safe uh, thing, if it's financial disaster, there are stopgap measures that are provided by, by government welfare opportunities, et cetera. So because we're able to answer a lot of the pain issues when we do have something that can't easily be solved. Uh, people gravitate toward either bitterness or anger or questioning why. Yeah. I do. I do find traveling around the world that actually the places that don't—it's it's kind of irony, I guess—the places that experience the most pain and don't have the remedies question it less, um, wow. as, because it's a foregone conclusion which I think we all should know, that we live in a fallen world. And one hmm. of the results of living in a fallen world is pain and suffering and ultimately death. And everyone, to the best of my knowledge, with the exception of Elijah and Enoch, um, at one time or another succumbed to death. So, you know, it seems a little absurd, it always has to me, to say, well, why would this person die? The question would hmm. more unusually be if a person didn't die, you would want to ask the question, why didn't they? Why didn't they? That's everyone else has. 
so you know, we, yeah. I never. There was never for us um, bitterness or pain or associated with uh, angst toward God. We realize that this is, on the one hand, it's um, it's a it's a consequence of living on a broken world, a fallen world. On the other hand, and I'm speaking on a very positive bent, another thing that many people miss is, you know, Jesus is very prayer for us. He, his prayer to the Father in, in John chapter 17 was that, uh, Father, pray that these that they would be with me as I will be. So, you know, they'll, they'll be with you as I, I will be. So the whole thing was that we would be with him where he was. That means he was actually praying that we would end up in heaven with him. Mm-hmm. So on the other side, on the flip side, one one on the one side, people have a tendency too much to uh, to question, to ask the why question rather than the what. What 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 do I do now with this? Yeah. And and uh, can I seek God's favor in some way rather than blame Him? Can I actually leverage my relationship with Him to to seek some um, some comfort from the pain, and of course we know that he does provide that if we trust in him in faith, which I think my wife and I did. And then on the other hand, it was um, a little odd to us that people could only see, it, we have a hard time conceiving heaven being a punishment. Yeah. It seems to me like that's probably our ultimate reward, not the ultimate punishment. And sure, yeah. That's, a lot that's of people that viewed the passing of our son as somehow he was receiving the ultimate punishment, and uh, and we, we don't we don't think that way. We think in terms of the fact that there's this uh, marvelous opportunity that it's literally a once in a lifetime opportunity, whether at age two or age ninety two uh, or somewhere in between. And for our son, it was twenty eight. Hmm. That um, it cuts to the front of the line and be there. Now, having said all that, so so the answer the the most indirect answer, I guess, to the question is, no, we didn't really have, um, we didn't have anger or bitterness toward God. I really don't understand, um, and I know, is, is people that are listening to this say, well, David was angry at the Lord, and the Lord didn't upbraid him. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, read Psalm 139 again, and he acknowledged the fact that God could see everything about him and knew everything about him in advance where he could hide from it. And then he aired a complaint about uh, how he loathed the enemies of God. But then he came back and said, but you know, uh, search my heart, try my anxious thoughts, see if there's anything offensive or wicked in me. Lead me in your way everlasting. So even though he did express openly, which we all should, if we do have anger or frustration, we need to express it openly. But we also need to be understand that that's not always going to be complimented as a pure motive. So, yeah. Uh, we want to be very very careful there. Yeah. I think that was um I, I think that was great explanation of especially um of realizing that there are different reasons um you know whether just the natural, you know, fallen sinful world um we do see times that God takes um like you said, you, you know, takes responsibility for negative things that have happened as a result of a punishment for sin. And we see all these things. So at the end of the day, I, I think what the, the bottom line is when we're asking, well, why, you know, if we're asking why, 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 we're going to be disappointed because we're not going to know 
you know, at least in this earth, we're not going to know why that thing happened. We're, we're never going to have a definitive answer. Um, well, and, that, and that's true. Um, I would even go farther than that. I'd go a step farther. I, I'd say it doesn't matter why. I mean, it really doesn't. It's of no consequence. Yeah. The, the big issue is that we know, we, we can predict very easily that death is in this world and suffering is in this world and everyone is going to experience it. So anybody then that looks at it as punishment would somehow, it's a kind of a bizarre thought, but they must somehow think that they are going to be exempt or should be exempt from what everyone, every other human being has experienced, yeah. including Jesus himself. And so I think that's an unrealistic expectation that if I had something difficult. So even asking the question of why uh, demonstrates significant naivety that yeah. somehow I am supposed to escape what everyone else in this world has uh, has incurred, you know, with, uh, difficulties or hardships. To, to probably advance my point, if you would allow me, mm-hmm. uh, Josh, the the, um, the Apostle Paul in Second uh, Corinthians chapter eleven, spilling over into twelve, he goes on at, at a point. He says, "Boy, I, if anybody could boast on, you know." going through things in the flesh. I could do that even more. And then he shared a whole host of, of difficulties he underwent. He talked about being, you know, uh, stoned, you know, with real rocks, and, uh, and 40 lashes minus one, and, and he talked about being imprisoned and being endangered by country people, uh, potentially, uh, potentially thievery, by rivers, shipwrecks, he talked about he was given a thorn in his side, or thorn in his flesh, excuse me, uh, something that taught him not to blaspheme or not to get arrogant or not to, you know, uh, well, it wasn't about blasphemy. It was about or to rail against something of the flesh. Uh, and it kept him from being conceited. So he prayed that God would take that thorn in the flesh that was a messenger of Satan, and he says it was from Satan. Uh, away from him, and he was denied having that opportunity. Um, but he also said, I've got, above all these things, I've got this burden, my daily burden um, for the church, and we presume that the burden is given by the Lord. So what you have there is moral evil, like we were talking about, um, beaten by people, robbed by people, uh, imprisoned by people. You have natural evil or natural danger, and that, he talked about being shipwrecked and in danger of rivers and countryside and going without food. And then you have um, you have Satan gave him a thorn in the flesh, uh, something to keep him from, you know, to torment him. And ultimately, God could use it for keeping him from being conceited. And then uh, lastly, a burden that was given by God. So he actually addressed, he didn't do it in that order, but he addressed all four of those items. And, mm-hmm. But he never said why. He never asked the question why. He just assumes I'm going to get tough stuff going on in this world from one place or another. But the part, the passage that everybody memorizes, they forget all of the difficulties he went through. But he says uh, he, he he learned this surpassing message from the Lord that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And uh, so he even said, I will boast in my weakness. But the, the whole point of the deal was... His focus was not on why. His focus ultimately was on what. Okay, what do I do? Yeah. Well, I can do something with the weakness, and uh, and so he said, I'm gonna I'm gonna celebrate that. So, so that's kind of a long answer, just to say yeah. I tell people frequently, it's not just 
you have to figure out which one of these sources it is. You don't even need to go there. You just If you go through difficulties, the Lord wants to hear you pray to have them taken away or um, or learn, learn a lesson from that cross or that difficulty that a person's bearing it. And the Lord will be faithful to do that. Yeah, I think um, something that you said a while back is interesting, that the question that people are asking in, in the midst of the same situation changes in these different cultures that you've noticed. You know, it's yeah. um, in America, a lot of times they're asking why. Other cultures, they're asking now, what do we do about this have ha having happened? And that, that's yeah. very interesting because it's almost as if, you know, we are assuming that we... Um, automatically should, like you're saying, we, well, we, we have access to this medicine or we have access to this. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I, I, I should have this thing. I should be able to overcome this thing. And so, yeah, you're, it's in these, in these certain different cultures that like America, um, we're looking at it from a totally different point of view that, that others are. And I, I also like what you said about, um, you know, people will, go to funerals and things that say, oh, it's just too bad that this person passed away. You know, oh, it was, they're so young. It's so bad that they had to pass away so young. And yet, like you're saying, it's like, well, when you think about, okay, well, where is this person? Okay, they're in heaven. Well, there's nothing bad about that. <laughs> it's not right, like, right. oh, I, they, I bet they really wish they could have, you know, stayed around another 40 years. You know, no, they don't wish that. <laughs> sure, sure. And, and I tell people all the time, you know, having said all that I've said, and I'm you know, I haven't been angry at God. I understand that we live in a fallen world and these these kind of things. And we pled for our son's uh, physical healing. And I've prayed for many people to be healed that have been healed. And uh, I never try and figure out why this person and not that person. I just, mm -hmm. it's again, it's a, I think a, a faulty preoccupation for us to engage in, but um, a, kind of a non-productive thing. But mm -hmm. I, I would say, um, in spite of that, you, you know, there are listeners that are listening to this that have gone through difficulties say, boy, he sure sounds stoic. Well, let me tell you, uh, my wife and I cried buckets and buckets of tears, just as, gosh, I'm sure when you lost your brother, there were probably, yeah. there was probably deep, deep grief. And uh, we do grieve. Uh, you know, the Christians grieve just as much as anybody else, uh, but I, we don't grieve without hope. I mean, that's biblical. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we, we have... This incredible sense of hope. So, in the spot, in the midst of all the difficulty, um, you know, there's yeah. there is a God, and He can give us peace. And we do know that He's provided a place for us. And and uh, you know, I had the privilege of seeing my son being one of the most godly and spiritually mature people. In in many ways, though he's my child, he was more mature than I am. So, um, yeah. you know, yeah, we grieve deeply, but we also. Um, we're excited to see a life well lived and and uh, to know that, that that there is something beyond that. So yeah, so I, I don't want to, anybody to listen to this thinking that well the bishop doesn't understand because he didn't grieve. We we grieve painfully. In fact, if you if you got a minute, I'll tell you one quick story. So I was on an airplane about a month or two after Mitch passed, and uh, I uh, I was working on my computer. I, I I get free upgrades to first class every now and because we travel so much. And uh, I, it was one of those days where they bumped me up uh, from coach to first class, and they served real meals in first class. And I was sitting up there working on my computer, and and the uh, the, the flight attendant came and said, you know, we're going to serve a meal. Would you like chicken or would you like pasta? And I said, well, I'll have the chicken, please. And so 
she went to prepare everything, and I put my computer away, and I put my headphones on, and decided I'd listen to some music, and I turned on my iPod, and what I didn't know was that about two months, about a month before my son passed away, um, he put on my iPod a picture of himself with a whole series of songs about heaven, and wow. he said, uh, by the time, Dad, you're listening to this, he put on a cover of it, by the time you're listening to this, I'll be experiencing it. And, of course, I was just undone. The, the, the flight attendant had delivered this meal, and I'm sitting there with my earphones in my ears, and I'm just bawling uh, buckets of tears listening to some wonderful songs about heaven and missing my son desperately. Yeah. The flight attendant um, saw me just crying, and I've got fork and knife in hand, and I bowed my head, I was praying. And she tapped me on the shoulder, and I pulled my headphones out and I said yes and she said sir if the chicken is that bad we have more pasta what <laughs> I told her I said no the, the chicken's fine but, uh, <laughs> you know, we grieve it's visible we know it we go through yeah. pain just like anybody else but um, but God is good and, and we recognize his goodness in the midst of all that wow yeah, in, in hearing now you know this, I, I think of you know the two things that you've talked about which is we, we ultimately wrapped up by that phrase we grieve but with not as those without no hope and so it's it's you know we have a spiritual resurrection that we know has happened and yet we're still grieving because of a loss and it's it's crazy yeah. also jesus wept you know and, and yet there was going to be a physical resurrection coming that he most likely knew about i would think and so it's like that that thing of we know that you know something good is is going on and there is still life and yet it's still in that moment it still can, you know hits us and it's still you know it, there's no lessening of that reality as well. Sure, yeah, yeah. The pain is very deep and it's profound, but our knowledge of ultimate outcomes uh, should really buoy our spirits along the way. So. Yeah, that's that's very well put the way you said it. So, what's your um, what's your best advice to someone who would be listening who has just lost someone close to them? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, there are a number of things. Sometimes when someone loses friends, they they're um, they're struggling with anger, or if not anger, at least significant dis disappointment mm -hmm. or regret in some ways, and sometimes regrets aim toward the self, you know, man, I wish I would have spent more time with my loved one, or, or I wish I would have done things differently, or perhaps, you know, I went through that, you know, if we would have, if we would have, maybe, maybe it was dietary stuff, if we would have been a little more rigorous uh, and, and healthy in some of the diet things that we demanded of our kids at the time, there's, there's, sometimes there's regret, sometimes it's, it's just pure unadulterated pain that doesn't is not associated with blame or anything else. I would say that wherever a person's at, one of the things I just mentioned a bit ago is don't don't get into the why. I, I don't think that that's that's critical. There's just there's there's plenty of stones to throw in lots of different directions, but the end result is somebody gets hurt when you're throwing stones. So um, uh, that's not productive. I, I would say to pour out your pain to the Lord. That's, that's the number one thing. If, if we need to confess something, that's fine. If it's just pouring out your pain, um, the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter for a good reason, and uh, and He will provide comfort. I would, I would tell people that. If we spend all of our time railing at God rather than pouring out our 
are hard to him, then we're, in a sense, we're ignoring his comfort and we're, all we're trying to do is maximize and leverage uh, our grief and dump it on him in a way that, that is, is blaming or accusatory. So it's, it's kind of counterproductive. So I, I would say pour out your complaint. If you're going through difficulties, don't. Uh, and if you usually have a child that's, that is, that's going through cancer but is still alive. Pray, even though you know heaven is ultimately a reward. Pray ardently for their healing. The Lord wants us to pray the desires of our heart. And, uh, and you can pray your wants, but hopefully in the end you're eager to receive the needs. So what, what is needful and, uh, from the Lord. And you, but you can do both. So that's, that's a good piece of advice, I think. The other thing I would say is, um, you know, let yourself grieve and uh, don't, don't try and stuff it or hide it. I've had people come to me. Um, I talked one time about a year after our son passed away, and I, I introduced my family, and I said, we have four kids. And I mentioned who they were by name and where they're at, and one's a school teacher, another one's a pastor. I said another one is married to an engineer. And I have another one who's a full-time worshiper of God in heaven. Um, and I probably had three people come up to me after that day and say, thank you for saying that. You didn't put your son in the past tense. And I said, well, he's not in the past tense. He's as much a part of our family as anyone else. And they told me their story of saying, you know, my brother died when I was 16 and he was 17. And the day he died, my parents said, we will never talk about him again. And, hmm. and, uh, and we only have one child now. We don't have two. Well, I understand that was kind of a... There was a certain generation that, that didn't know how to grieve, so they just didn't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I would say that's not healthy. Right. Anybody who happens to be listening who's one of those folks that thinks that just stuffing it is the best way to go, that, that's not healthy. And it also disrespects the memory of the person. Um, if if they have legitimately been a part of your family, they'll never cease to be a part of your family. And uh, you know you've got a shared history and 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 hopefully a shared future if we know the Lord. So uh, I, so I do tell people you know go ahead and grieve. Don't don't shy back from that. But expect um, expect calm and help along the way. One of the best things that anyone said to me was the day after our son's funeral, only five days after his passing, I went to church the very first Sunday that came up, and uh, I was sitting in the service. I was not preaching. I was just sitting there all by myself. Uh, uh, the rest of our family was somewhere else. And, uh, and a, an elderly woman in our church that came up, she sat right down by me toward the end of the service. Excuse me, I get kind of emotional with this. Yeah. But uh, she put her hand on my knee, and she looked at me, and she simply said, um, it never goes away, but mm. it does get better. And I would tell anybody that's going through difficulty that if you really anchor your life in the Lord, the, the, in some ways the pain will never go away. The memory will never go away, and you don't want it to. Right. Um, you want to, if you love that person, then the, then the pain of, of that kind of steering loss um, will probably stay with you in some way, just as a memory of our humanity, like the scars in Jesus' hands. It'll it'll be a it'll be a, a little bit of a scar there, but hopefully it's a healthy, healed scar. And uh, 
so that's the it does get better and so internally I wanted to I, I needed that advice even though I didn't know it because I desperately wanted this pain that I was experiencing to diminish but I never the uh, the memory or the the reality of the loss uh, to ever go away completely and so that was that was God's ordained advice and I would pass it on to anyone else going through difficulties yeah, I, I think that's a good way of putting it um, as well. That you know, it, it it's it does get better, um, and sure. it, it's it's interesting too because at that time, you know, you don't know. I mean, of course, not in any state a lot of times to help others with a similar thing. But as years go by, you be it's interesting how you are able to help other people. Just by yep. telling your story, just by having that have happened, I mean, you're able to reach out to others who are having the same situation. Yes, right, exactly. And so, better when when it says it gets better, it, it it's that that phrase is just um, encompassing so many different things. Better in the sense that you're able to help more people. Better in the sense that you know it's just every day. It, it's it, when we're we're talking about a person who is in Christ. What we're able to say, the great news is, is you know we have these memories, and it's sad, and you know sometimes they're funny, and there's different emotions that we have when we have these memories. But the good news is that's not the end of those memories, because we will be seeing that person again, and so we have that hope to you know the memories aren't over. It's just a kind of hiatus right now. That's right, that's very well put. It it keeps the longing alive. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, is there anything else that, that I've missed that I haven't thought of that, that you think we should share with anybody today? Uh, just uh, keep looking up and and, uh, and really seek to the help of the Lord for uh, day-to-day circumstances. One thing, you know, it's interesting how we talk about in pain and difficulty, um, some people just have such a hard time with God at those moments. And I find frequently the person that only brings God into their life whether it's blaming them or doing anything or praying to them, is when there's crisis in our lives. We're kind of only we're only living half a life with God in it. I think uh, I think I would encourage people to thank the Lord every day, to praise Him for the good things that you've received, and and, and there's just something that happens in a person's life when they've developed a fully orbed. Rela- if I if I only related with my wife when I was mad or angry or wanted to complain about something, I would have a horrible relationship with my wife, and it would be skewed, and it wouldn't be good with her, but if when there's things of joy that I share, and I'm incessantly complimenting her, and I'm telling her over and over again how much I love her, and I'm grateful, then when a complaint does come, it's, um, it's it's moderated by all these other affirmations, and it's it's like we're in a real relationship where um, it's not it's not toxic from the get go. So that's the last thing I would say is just I would tell people just thank God every day that you're alive and yeah. every blessing that comes your way. Make sure you thank Him, and then when the tough stuff comes, believe it or not, your conversation will automatically take kind of a different lilt. Yeah, that's great. And I think there's so many things today that we can um, that we can take away from this, and and I think one of the very biggest that that conversation that we had just about changing the question of our response, 
Um, yeah. And then, yeah, just and, and that changes those conversations as we've just as, as you just finished up with, too, of, you know, um, not that getting wrapped up into that bitterness, because that seems to be what Naomi did. She she I, I think that's a good way of putting it. I mean, without it saying it right in the text, she asked why, why, why and, and focused on herself. And at the end, she kind of asked what and, and was able to see right. some of those things that God was going to do through what happened. And so thank you so much for sharing that story personally and also for sharing kind of your insights over the years of what you've what you've learned as well absolutely yeah well thank you again and uh hopefully you're way over on the west coast but hopefully it will be sometime soon that i will be able to see you again and we'll be able to talk in person uh, thank you i look forward to it Josh. all right we'll talk to you soon okay god bless you Bye.